Okay, we're going to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. I'm going to be reading from verse 14, okay? Verse 14. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads it him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. All right, I'm going to stop there. Then let's go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter, chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 19. 2 Peter chapter 1 from verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy or scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. Help us this morning to hear you. Thank you, Lord, that this word will not be snatched by the evil one, but it will find fertile soil and it will produce a hundredfold in every heart that is hearing it within the sound of my voice. We ask this in your mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Now, the title of this message is Safety Instructions. All right? Safety Instructions. The other day when I was flying down to Durban, it doesn't happen very often, thank God. I don't enjoy being a sardine. But anyway, as those who have flown will know, before they get going, they always have the flight attendant comes up and she gives you the safety instructions. All right? It's quite an impressive sight. If you haven't seen it before, you don't see it often. You know, gesticulating, the mask coming down, and the safety harness, and the, this, and the exit points, and she goes on about this, you see? I'm sitting there, I was in the middle of the plane, she was just in front of me there. Now, you will be very glad to know that for once, for once, I managed to keep my sense of humor under control. Let me explain. This lady, let's put it this way, she was of Asiatic extraction. Right? So when she was finished, the horrible thought came to my mind. I wanted to ask her with as straight a face as I could possibly put on. Madam, that was very impressive. Do you by any chance do this in Bollywood mode? <laughs> My point is this. She's going through all these wonderful motions and nobody is paying a blind bit of notice. Except possibly me. And the thought that struck my mind is that I travelled as a little boy to school on the plane and the instructions haven't changed at all. It's the same routine. Exactly the same routine. And the other thing obviously that struck me is that nobody's really listening. 
Nobody's really listening. Now, I just thought to myself, why is nobody really listening? Because nobody really thinks the plane's going to go down. I mean, she was describing in the event of an emergency landing in water. For heaven's sake, we didn't even see the sea on the way there. <laughs> but what I'm trying to get at is there was hardly any hope of this happening. All right, so because of that, nobody bothered. Can I assure you, if the plane was going down, and she stood up there and explained what everybody had to do, everybody would be paying very close attention. Let me tell you, if you go down in the sea, it's very handy to know how to work one of those things. Did you know they inflate automatically? Did you know that? Something else I learned. If it doesn't inflate automatically, you can blow it up. <laughs> and it's got an emergency light as well. But my point is this, you see. If people knew that the plane was going to go down, they would listen to every single word. Why? Because their lives depend upon it. All right? In the same way, the Lord gave safety instructions. He spoke to his disciples. He said, the end is coming. And when the end is coming, this is what you do. Amen? This is what you do. If you're in Judea, flee to the mountains. Don't go back to get your goods. Don't stop and go and get the pictures of your family and family heirlooms and your treasures. Forget about it. Just run. That's the instruction. Can you see that? Pray in a certain way. Gave instructions. You see, in the other scriptures about, we have the prophetic voice in your midst, it's good to pay heed, pay attention to it. Amen? Now, what the Lord's put on my heart this morning is another one of these dire warnings, you might call it. All right? Because, in a sense, I sit here, or stand here rather, and I look out and I can see a massive tsunami coming. Amen? The next year and a half is going to be very rough for the world. And we will be affected. Amen? Unless, of course, the church gets into gear and prevents it, which is possible. But failing that, things are not going to be happy. I look at it this way. At the moment, we're in like what I'd call the lull before the storm. Do you know how dangerous the lull before the storm is? Do you know there was a time in the Second World War when England didn't know there was a war on? Did you know that? For the first year, almost and a half, they called it the Silent War. There was a war raging on the continent, but the people in England, they hadn't yet been affected. But that all was to change. The lull before the storm. So you see, if you can understand that we're in a lull before the storm, the danger is to get complacent and think it will just be like this. We'll just get along. All right? And that's why God raises up prophetic voices to warn us. Because the truth is that we need to prepare. Amen? We need to prepare. If we fail to prepare, we'll get swept away. Amen? If we fail to prepare, we'll get swept away. If we do prepare, we will stand. Amen? If we do prepare, we will stand. My job is to do everything I can 
to make sure that we prepare. Can you all just say amen? It's a difficult task. Imagine in England, you try to tell people, okay, you need to build bastions, you need to build bunkers here, you need to dig in the ground and have a place to escape. We're living in London, we're going to the shows, why do we have to do that? Why do we have to bother to build a bunker in our home? Heaven forbid, this is England. Let me tell you, a year later, when those bombs started to fall, thank God for the bunker. So you see, we have responsibility, and it's very serious. We joke around, but let me just tell you this, it's serious business. We can have fun while we're preparing, I mean, even though it's serious. But you see, we've got to understand the times in which we live and the desperation of the hour. We have to. God actually said to me, if we don't follow these instructions, as it were, if we're not doing these things, if a church is not teaching these things that I'm going to be sharing, these safety instructions, if we're not teaching them, we'll be swept away. Within two years, none of those churches will be standing. That's what he said. None of them will be standing. There'll be lots of empty churches for sale. Amen. That's when we will buy. <laughs> That's when we will buy, not before. But let me just say this. Just because we know what to do doesn't mean we're going to stand. It doesn't mean that. We can hear and we can know. We can have those wonderful safety instructions described to us, even in Bollywood style. When we hit the water, we have to know exactly what to do. And not only know what to do, already be doing it. So please understand, what I'm going to be describing now is four areas. All right? Four areas. And they're all interrelated. And there's nothing really new because we've been through this so many times. But we need to understand it in context. These four areas. All right? And each area we could devote all week to. And there's a whole lot of ramifications as well. But why four? The number four in the Bible speaks of stability. All right? If you look at a table, a three-legged table will stand, but if it's got four legs, much more solid. But in the Bible, it speaks of the four corners of the earth. The four corners of the earth. It speaks of foundation, solid foundation, stable foundation. And you see, if we can build the stable foundation in our lives, no matter what comes, we will stand. No matter what comes, we will stand. And can I just say, the areas that we talk about are always the controversial ones in the church. Very often people say, oh, we don't want to talk about that. The controversial issues. Why do you think it's controversial? Who's got an interest in you and I not learning these things? Amen? The very person who's bringing this catastrophe upon earth, because he doesn't want the church to stand in fact, that's the target of everything, is the body of Christ. If he can destroy that, then the world will just fall into his hands as is already happening. Amen? So that's why whenever you talk about these issues, generally speaking, it raises contention. People get offended. All right? And we put up with it, let me tell you, for years. But we will not back off. Why? Because we understand the importance of it. Amen? The importance of it. And can I just say this, prophetically speaking, if we can stand, then this small church, as it may seem, 
will come into its golden age. Amen? Paid a big price to come to this place. It's all been preparation for this moment. I look back at my life. I see everything that I've been through has been preparation for this moment where we poised now to go through. It's been difficult preparation, let me tell you. has not been easy. The enemies tried to take us out or take me out on many occasions, as you all know. We've been ridiculed, scorned, slandered. We've been excluded by family and whatever. But you understand, this is all about preparation, being ready for this moment. Amen. We've got to take it with both hands. So without any more ado, let me go into them. Right, you can put it in four words, actually, the whole thing. I'm going to give you the four words and then I'm going to explain them. Here, here, believe, fight, and love. Here, believe, fight, and love. Okay, now, first of all, here, we've been through this so many times, but did you know something? You and I, as children of God, have got to, got to, got to know His voice. Amen? It's all about relationship, yes. But it's not an artificial relation, not a religious, academic thing, intellectual thing. We know about God. It's so easy to know about Him, but not know Him. Amen? Not know Him. And the only way you and I will get to really know Him is when we hear His voice. We hear his voice. We hear him from day to day saying, this is the way, walk in it. Then let me tell you, that still small voice has to be trained in our minds, in our thinking, in our spirit. We have to train ourselves to hear. It's not easy. It's not easy. I've come across so many people that say things like, oh, well, that's good for some people. They hear God. Oh, that person, he really hears from God. That particular preacher, wow, he really hears from God. And maybe he does, and that's wonderful. But what is the issue really? You understand? What is the issue? The fact that somebody else hears from God? What happens when that somebody else is no longer there? Well, you're relying on somebody else to hear God for you. Do you know how dangerous that is? Do you know how dangerous that is? Yes, we must learn to hear what God is saying through other people. But let me tell you, if you and I are relying on somebody else to hear him for you, you're setting yourself up for destruction. Why? Because everybody is a human. Amen. And every single one of us is subject to deception. Are you hearing me this morning? Every one of us. And you might think, oh, well, there's so many people following that person. Well, for your information, there are millions of people following the Pope. Amen? Does the Pope get it right every time? <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know the Pope, but he has made a mistake on odd occasions, right? Especially when he tells ministers you can't get married. That was a blunder par excellence. <laughs> Do you know the devil was behind that while I'm on the subject? Do you know why? Good men, people that have a real heart for God, want to go into the ministry, the church. And the church is, oh, you can't reproduce. You can't have descendants that love God. You understand? Very clever, isn't it? In the name of holiness. Nothing holy about it at all. Plain stupidity. But not only the Pope, dear God. The charismatic church, thank you very much. 
also steeped in deception in many areas, let alone the Baptist and the, and the Methodist and the, sorry, this is terrible. But we love the people, you understand. It's not the people, it's the system. Mankind so easily falls into putting God in a box. Amen? The way we used to do it. One thing I've learned, every day is fresh with God. Amen? There's something new to be learned every day. We have to keep going with Him. You have to. You have to. You and I have to. Especially in difficult situations where there's so much turmoil around you and you don't know what to do. Let me tell you, it's harder to hear God in the darkness if you haven't heard Him in the light. Amen? Don't wait for the darkness to learn His voice. Are you hearing me? So my duty, sacred duty, is to encourage everybody, help people, how to hear the voice of the Father. Amen? On a day-to-day basis. And it can be so real. I can't tell you. How many times God has said something last night and it happened in the day? Amen? I haven't got it perfect, but I'm working on it. You see? And you might say, oh, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. All right? Yes, you can. Just have to be able to learn. That's all. In fact, I just said to Janet, because I felt the Lord saying this to me, when we finish this Bible study on Titus, we are going to dedicate time to hearing God's voice. The Bible study will be dedicated for those who come to train how to hear the voice of the Father. Amen? We'll do anything to help people hear His voice. I can't say that any more straightforward as that. God forbid that you lie on me to tell you what God is saying. Are you hearing me? Yes, we can bounce things off one another and we can pray for one another and we can get insight from one another, yes, that is very powerful. I've got men that I know, that I spend time with for that very same purpose. Why? Because I know, even though I've got a relationship with God, I can get deceived. I can so easily hear what I want to hear. That's the big danger of it. So we need other people to come along and say, Graham, that's rubbish. Thank you. Praise God. Are you hearing me? I can't say it any more than that. So let me just put it this way. If any of us here is not hearing God's voice, it's not going to be the fault of this one standing before thee. Am I right? Amen? Can everybody say amen? You're looking nice and serious now. Praise God. The plane's going down. (laughs) Do you want it in Bollywood? No. So number one, if you're not hearing God's voice, don't feel condemned. Amen? I know people that just have this funny thing in their brain. I can't do it. I can't do it. You can. It's quite possible. It's very simple, actually. Not that difficult. It's like riding a bicycle. You think you can't do it until you've done it a few times and then you find, my goodness, I can do this. Amen? We can all do it. We all need to be doing it. Hearing his voice on a regular basis. It's a skill that needs to be developed. Amen? Amen? And amen. Number one. If you and I hope to make it through, we have to be in a position where we are hearing God's voice in the small things and then also in the big things. Amen. All right. Number two, believe. We need to develop our faith. Have I said that before or have I said that before? If we had an old record player here, I'd put it here. Develop your faith. 
develop your faith. Okay, we had the message. <laughs> Why? So important. Because the systems around us are going to collapse. Did you know that? They're going to collapse. The systems you and I have relied on our whole lives are going to be no longer there. Just like that. Gone. There's a man in England. The powers that be do not like him. You might know Nigel Farage. Quite a character, actually. Very outspoken, humble man, trying to do the best for his country because the powers that be don't like him. Do you know what they've just done to him? The bank informed him. He's a wealthy man. The bank informed him, you can no longer keep your money with us. So he went to the next bank. They said, no, you can't keep your money with us either. Can you give me a reason? Can you give me a reason? No reason. But everybody knows the reason. You understand? He's been targeted because he's a threat to the system. The wrong system. You understand? And if they can do it to a man like that, guess what? What chance have you and I got? If we're relying on them, we'll have to go and beg them. Oh, please. Oh, please. Thank you. We reinstate you on these conditions. Sign along the dotted line. If you want my faith isn't up there where we can say, keep your bank, don't need you. Bank with heaven. What I'm saying is, you might say, well, that's terrible. And you see, we'd rather not think about it. You're in the plane, I'd rather not think about the thing crashing, let alone crash in the sea. Amen? I'd rather not think about it. So just, if she does Bollywood, I'll watch. Otherwise, this is routine. But we have to know things, people. We have to develop our faith. The Lord spent his time trying to teach people faith. And is it easy? Highly controversial. Highly controversial. We have people saying to us, oh, you're part of a prosperity cult. Would to God that we were. <laughs> Would to God that we were. What does the Bible teach? Amen. That's the issue. And the Lord said, trust in him. Trust in him isn't a vague thing. Pie in the sky, one day we will get there. No. Bread and butter. Amen. Teach us how to pray. Faith. We have to develop our faith. We must be continually developing faith. And my job here, which is not a very pleasant one sometimes, is to challenge everybody with their thinking. We have to renew our minds. We have to renew our minds. And renewing our minds isn't a comfortable little option. Oh, I'll just tune in here and there. No, it's taking decisions that are going against the whole system that we live in. Amen? Number three. Number three is fight. Oh, my soul. Children of God, we have got to learn to fight. Amen? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. When there's a war raging, who is the safest person? Can I tell you the safest person is the one on the front lines? When I was involved in the so-called Rhodesian Civil War, it was anything but civil. Let me tell you, everybody was at risk there, because the terrorist tactic is to blow up houses and cars and put landmines in the road and to 
attacked defenseless farmyards. And there was one case in the village where I was staying. The teacher was going home. The little guy that was in his class became a terrorist, so to speak, got hold of an RPG weapon in the town, shot his car. Who were the safest people in that war? Can I tell you they were? The soldiers on the front line. Why? Because they had the government behind them, they had arms, they had training, they had everything, the equipment. They knew how to fight. Amen? They knew how to fight. Children of God, we have to learn how to fight. And you see, what does it mean to learn how to fight? Well, you see, we have weapons that God has given us. Amen? Certain weapons we have been given. We talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those aren't just for light-hearted entertainment. Did you know that? Not so that we can have a glory time when we get together in church and to say, oh, we operate in the gifts. No, those are weapons of warfare that you and I have to have if we want to survive. We have to understand how they work. Amen? Prayer comes under this as well. Ephesians speaks about the armor of God. It goes through all six types of armor and weaponry, the word, etc. And at the end it is praying continually. Pray. Teach us how to pray. We have to learn how to pray. There's a lady. Incredible testimony. This young girl comes from a missionary family, two generations. As a young girl, she said to God, send me where nobody wants to go. Dangerous prayer, ladies. Don't pray it. And men, don't pray it. Because she ended up in Uganda. Right? Uganda. During those civil war unrest. And I've had a taste of the savagery in Zimbabwe, what happens when that sort of thing happens. And she faced it. A woman all on her own. No FNs, no G3s, no RPGs, no radio backup, no planes in the air to come and rescue you, no choppers, nothing. Just on her own in this war-torn area. Do you know how she overcame? With prayer. With prayer. One occasion, it's a lovely testimony, they're driving along, they get stopped. Two big soldiers get into the car with her. And they're on assignment to kill her. That's their job. They come there, this one woman all on her own. Listen to this. So she starts talking to them. And she learned one thing, no fear. No fear. She talks to them and she asks the one, what is your name? He says, my name's Jacob. <laughs> she said, oh, do you know that you're in the Bible? <laughs> Takes out the Bible and tells Jacob the murderer, the assassin, about Jacob the patriarch. In the course of the conversation, this man gets saved. Do you know that? And he says, come to my village. <laughs> she goes to the village and she starts a prayer cell there. Isn't that awesome? Just through prayer. The power of prayer she overcame in that situation. If she can overcome in that situation with prayer, what do you think we can do? You see, but it all comes down to what? Weapons of warfare. Not just weapons of warfare, but the willingness to use them. Amen? If I go to army training, I've said this before, and I'm standing in the queue and they hand out everything that I need, and they say, here's your weapon. And I say to them, please, I don't do guns. <laughs> what will the instructor say or think? I hate to think. I hate to think what he would have said. But you see, the point is this. The weapon is there. For the taking, what does any sensible person do? You grab that weapon with both hands and you get somebody who knows more than you do 
exactly how the thing works. Amen? Not only that, you use it and you practice with it in the rifle range. You use it. Let me tell you, in the army, if you've ever been there, they train you. They get you to strip that thing in the middle of the night. And I tell you, your hands come up with blisters and all that because it's quite a tricky thing. But at the end of the training, my soul, that piece of equipment, you can strip, you can assemble and clean in the middle of the night. All right? Why do they take so much trouble? Well, for your information, your little life depends upon it. <laughs> Amen? And not that they had any love for you, but they were short of manpower, so they couldn't really afford to lose you. But I can't afford to lose me. I've got work to do. Amen? Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are certain weapons in this very precious book here given for our instruction. What can we do about it? Get all controversial. Oh, we don't do the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We don't believe in prophecy. One church, I know that's what they said. Because prophecy has been abused, we will not use it in our church. Imagine saying to the soldiers, listen, people have abused these weapons. I mean, the barracks where I was in, there was a big hole in the ceiling. <laughs> it's called AD. Do you know what AD stands for? Accidental discharge. These inexperienced troopies fooling around with these weapons, and oh my soul, it's dangerous stuff. More people got killed in barracks, etc., than on the front line. Did you know that? Inexperienced army. Exactly like the church. All right? Now, because it's been abused, does an order come from the general? Okay, everybody, we've had a, an accidental discharge, and Sergeant Trooper Quirbus lost his finger. So for now on, there's no weapons in the war. No weapons. Does that make sense? That's absolute stupidity. Dear God, old Quirbus has to go without his finger, but the rest of us are going to go with our lives because we're going to use the weapons. Are you hearing me? The weapons are there. We have to. It's not an option. It's what I'm trying to get at. These things are not optional extras. It's not so that we can say, oh, our church is on the cutting edge. We teach faith. We teach the gifts. We also teach the fruit, by the way. The truth of the matter is, if we're not teaching that, we won't be around. Guess why? Does the devil care whether you want to operate in the gifts or not? Does he care? He'll take you out anyway. Do you go into a battle and the enemy says, oh, shame, he hasn't got a weapon, leave him alone. Would they do that? No. They say, well, that's the first idiot we'll pot off now. Get him out of the way. Just get rid of him. A lot of Christians, let me tell you, that's what's happened. Oh, that clown, don't bother about him. Let's go for the real meat, as it were. Controversial, yes. Do we have a choice? No. I hope you're hearing me here in this happy little congregation. Sect. We've been called a sect, I found out the other day. People you know, talking behind our back. Telling people they're a sect. Dear God. But you see, what are we teaching? This bit of information in the Bible. We don't have a choice. The way I see it, we don't have a choice. If I turn into what we'll call a seeker-sensitive. Have you heard this? Seeker-sensitive church. You know what a seeker-sensitive church is? The one that strokes everybody's feathers. <laughs> What sort of music would you like today? <laughs> a friend was telling me. <laughs> you laugh. 
But in Canada, I think in Toronto, they have a, he's seen it, a church. You go there, and it's not just one church, it's a very nice building, but they've got a whole series of churches. You see, the one over there does it this way, the other one does it that way, and the other one does it this way. So you go there to the foyer, so to speak, and they say to you, what sort of service would you like? Would you like something somewhat traditional? Would you like something really way out? We've got some funnies. Would you want something in the middle? <laughs> what sort of decor do you like? Purple? Oh, you don't want anything too rowdy. Okay, we've got the organ over there for the seeker-sensitive. To hell with seeker-sensitive. Dear God, giving people what they want, not what they need. Are you hearing me? What is going to stand? You see, the devil's got this little trick here where he's made people think, oh, well, we've got to reach people. Yes, we do have to reach people. We have to reach them on their level, yes. But not reduce our thinking to their thinking. You understand? We cannot water the word of God down. We cannot do it. I hope you hear me. Dear God, I hope you hear me. My soul. Okay, we're almost at the end here. The last one is love. Love. Let me just tell you, we're talking about covenant love here. And I've said this so many times, I'm just going to keep saying it, and it's something that you can't really teach, because only the Holy Spirit can do these things. Do you understand that the best we can do is precept and example? But you see, this love here, we're talking about unconditional covenant love. Unconditional. That's what it is. All in. That's what it is. Can I just tell you, if we don't understand that, and we don't have one another, you're not going to make it. We will not make it. We will not make it. I can tell you that's one thing I've learned over the few years here, especially in the difficult times. I remember when I was so ill, the devil trying to take me out yet again. And... I mean, I didn't realize how serious it was at the time. No sense, no feeling. But we got through. And I can tell you something now. We got through why? Not only because of the stand that I have, the knowledge of the word, etc., 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 but because of the prayer of the saints. The prayers of the saints. People here were praying for me. I know that. I know that. People all over were praying for me. All over the world, actually. And I came to a place, because we've got an unwritten law here. Whenever we get attacked, we try and do it as best we can on our own. Amen? We don't run to everybody to help us all the time. We understand. However, we do understand the other side of the coin is sometimes the enemy comes with something that you can't handle on your own. It's made that way. It's made that way. Even the Lord, just think about it. When he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to his disciples, pray with me. Amen? Pray with me. They fell asleep, they didn't help him, but God sent angels to help him. He couldn't do it on his own. Couldn't do it on his own. One example of this really laughed. It's quite funny at the time, it's still funny now, but it wasn't funny really. But I was there, and I have a friend called Rob. Some of you will know Rob Stewart. He's got a wonderful ministry, healing, etc. Quite a character, old Rob. But anyway, I thought, let me just give Rob a ring and ask him for prayer, you see. So I phoned Rob. And I found him and I said, Rob, I need prayer because I'm in hospital. 
He said, hold it. <laughs> hold it. He was at that very moment having a prayer meeting with his friends, his associates. He's got a team, you see. And he says, we're having a prayer meeting now. And he says, guys, <laughs> guys, there's a man of God in trouble. Let's pray. <laughs> and I said, hold it, Rob. I'm just putting this phone on speakerphone because I want to hear this. And then they started to pray. Oh, my soul. They obviously had been going all morning, so they really souped up. But then they started to pray. And the beautiful thing was, in all different languages, different cultural groups, you could hear people praying. Pray. They really prayed. And those prayers, I tell you, when they were finished, I just felt the presence of God come into that little room there. It was so encouraging. So encouraging. But let me just tell you this. I did have this vision. I saw this demon that had been assigned to do this job. He was like the commander, and he'd got all these people around him to try and do this thing, this terrible thing. It'd been over a period of years. It was a strategized approach, actually. And obviously, he realized this whole plan of his had gone pear-shaped, and he came down to actually, in a sense, assess the damage. I clearly saw him there. Looked like a wolf, dressed in dandy's clothes. But the big thing that stood out in my mind was his dead eyes, dark black eyes, dark black eyes. And I could see in his face terrible anger. He was angry. Do you know why he was angry? Because his plan had failed. But let me tell you what I also sensed. He was angry because he realized that it was because of the prayers of the saints that he couldn't prevail. He couldn't prevail. Amen? Amen? What am I saying? Teach us how to love. Amen? Teach us how to love. There will come a time when we will need each other. But we'll need each other in a way that's not just, oh, we've got a friendship over here. Amen? Not just friendship. Beyond that. It's not just having a social around a bri. Nice big fat steak. And too much food, you can't eat all of it. We're famous for that, aren't we, men? <laughs> I never forget that time we went away. Oh, my soul, I lost just up to the first breakfast. Thank God Rule forgot to bring the eggs because if he'd bought the eggs, oh, my soul. We struggled home, did we not? <laughs> it was hard. But covenant is more than a nice steak. Am I right? Much more than that. In fact, covenant is shown up when there is no steak. Amen? When maybe there's a bit of pop and you've got to share it. But you see, all these things, you don't wait for the poor poor to hit the fan before you start thinking, oh, I better learn how to pray. Too late. Don't wait for the bottom to fall out. I must get my faith up. Too late. Amen? Too late. Oh, no, I'm under attack now. I better learn the weapons of my warfare. In the middle of battle, that's no time to say, Sergeant, can you give me a bit of instruction how to fire this G3? I don't think he'll bother to even answer you. And normally those gentlemen have got a lot to say, and none of it very polite. You understand? Too late. Too late. Oh, I need some people to help me. I'm in trouble. Haven't taken trouble to develop covenant relation. Guess what? Too late? Too late? 
These things are so important, foundational. They're not everything. There's a lot of things to learn. But please, we've got to get these basics right. We've got to focus on them. That's why we focus on them here. I couldn't care how big or small this church is. Whoever comes here, that's what we focus on. Your personal relationship with God, being able to hear His voice. Amen. We'll help anybody as far as they will allow us. As far as people will allow us. Help one and all to develop our faith. I'm also growing. We're all growing. We never arrive. All these things, let me tell you, we never arrive. They never end. There's always more. There's no limit to what your and my faith can actually do. Did you know that? No limit to what it can do. But you won't start at the end. You've got to start where? Get going with it. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit, by the way. Fruit, as we've learned, are very powerful weapons. So when I say the weapons of our warfare, it includes the fruit of the Spirit. It includes the gifts. It includes prayer. It includes faith. In fact, because faith is that which overcomes the world. These things are all connected. You and I cannot develop our faith if we cannot hear His voice. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? His voice. Let me tell you, when God tells you something, then faith will rise up in your heart for that thing. If God tells you you're going through, you are going through. Amen? If God tells you you get on the boat, we're going through, you are going through. But if you say, I'm getting on the boat and I'm going through, the storm will come and you will sink. And you will be quoting scripture at it. Get behind me, Satan. They're all connected. Faith works through love. Did you know that? Faith works through love. If we don't understand love, you will not be able to operate in faith. It's a mystery, but it's there. All of these things work together. That's the challenge, you see. Very many churches, they focus on one thing, perhaps. You can't focus on one thing. Amen? Imagine if you just ate meat. <laughs> I thought I'd raise another contentious issue in our midst. But what I'm saying is, some of us, us normal human beings, the normal people, they like a little bit of veg here and there. The meat of the word, that's all. Well, for your information, Paul Kruger never ate one vegetable in his life. Did you know that? He was the president of the old republic. He just ate his meat. He didn't touch vegetables. It was woman's food. Woman's food. It's like when the guys go and have a bride. The chicken is like the salad. But my point is this. We cannot just focus on one thing. If I just taught faith, 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 no relationship, that faith wouldn't work. Are you hearing me? But relationship without faith it doesn't work either. We have to know how to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But you can only operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the extent of your faith, our faith. Can you see that? It all works together and we can't love one another if we're not operating in faith because we can't help one another. It's just so important. Really it is. I shouldn't even say it's so important. It's obviously important. It's a matter of life. Right? The plane is going down unless we can somehow lift it up, which we try very hard to do. But in the meantime, can I just say something in closing? You see, you might say, well, my faith hasn't developed at all or very little. What happens if this comes upon me and my faith isn't ready? That's where covenant love comes in, does it not? Do you understand? When my faith isn't enough, what do I have to have? Somebody who prepared to use their faith for me. That's really how it's supposed to work. Maybe I don't know how to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but somebody else does. And because we've got a covenant relationship, they'll use that gift for my benefit. 
Amen? Can you see that? We can't all be at that level immediately. It doesn't work that way. And God understood that, you see. And that's why I created the body, so that we can help one another. That's how the gifts are supposed to work in the assembly. Did you know that? That's why it says one has the tongue, one has the gift of faith, one has this, one has that. We put it all together and what will happen? God himself comes here and does what God himself has to do. And we have nothing to be afraid of. Let me tell you, if God's on our side, and we know how it works, we don't have to worry. We can sleep nice and peaceful. But you see, what God wants for us is, in all that's happening, is to raise us up as a light upon a hill. Because there's that scripture which speaks about the mustard seed is planted in the field. And because of its growth, you see, the essence of the mustard seed is not its size. The essence is its capacity for growth. And you see, if you and I have that capacity for growth, we want to grow. That's all God asks. We have a desire to grow in everything that God has. Everything. We want to grow it. We want to grow in our relationship with him. We want to operate in the gifts. We want our faith to be big and strong. We want our love to just expand Continually. Why? You see, we become what the Bible describes as a big tree. There's no such thing as a mustard tree. Did you know that? It doesn't exist. It's a herb. It's a big herb. But you see, he's talking about going beyond just the natural. Talking about in the spirit, supernaturally. Being a great tree. And the beautiful thing about the great tree is that in that great tree, many, many birds come and make a nest. Can you see? If we're not a great tree, you know what will happen? We'll be wandering birds trying to find a place to nest. And if there's no tree, it's over. Are you hearing me? It's over. That's not going to happen in the mighty name of Yeshua. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that this will burn in our hearts. Oh, Lord, that we'll be people that want to grow in you in every way. As it will realize the times in which we are living, that we will realize of this day of visitation, Lord, and that we will be found faithful, Lord, in the things of God, that you, Lord, will have a people on whom you can place your glory and your power. My prayer is that we would evolve and grow into that great tree, that when all is said and done, we will be standing, Lord, and we'll be a place where birds, of many feathers, can come and find a nest. You ask it in the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. Mm-hmm.